Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it, seal it for Thy courts above. Yes, Father. Yes, Father. Yes, Father. Lord, I just uh, I ask that you would smack us right in the face this morning. <laughs> Lord, I just pray that it's so real that nothing else would grab our attention this morning. Literally nothing else. Father, you deserve everything that we have. Everything that we can give. Everything that we can offer is due to you. But there's, there's nothing that we can accomplish aside from the Holy Spirit. Aside from your word. And God, I pray that you would encounter, we would encounter you this morning. Show up. Father, just show up. Show up, Lord. Spirit, be in this place. Spirit, be here. Father, we don't want to move forward unless you're here. We say that every Sunday. We we should say that every day. That's not just a Sunday morning comment, Lord. I do not want to move forward unless your presence is felt in this room. And it's felt by everybody. So, Father, rush through this place. Hit us in the face. Knock us over if you have to do it. God, I pray that it's real. Let it be real this morning. Let it be real. More of you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for your character, for your heart, for how you reveal yourself to us. Lord, I pray that this morning you reveal more of who you are, more of your character. And we can walk away from here with a little bit more of Jesus understanding how you work understanding how much you love us understanding how much you want to use us and how much effort, thought was put into making each one of us for the specific goal of advancing your kingdom so Lord be here this morning we need you, open up our hearts to receive this word in Jesus name Everybody said, Amen. You guys can be seated. Welcome. You guys could have spent your time anywhere else on a Sunday morning, but you've decided to hang out with us. So that for that, I'm I'm grateful. Uh, always nice to look out and see new faces, as well as people who've been here for a while. But this is the group for this morning. We're gonna get into it this morning, and so. Uh, If you have your word on you, we're going to jump into Nehemiah 11. We're going to continue in that. But I'm excited about this next set of scripture. I really am. Because what I see, not only in scripture, uh, but with what the Lord is doing with Eosis, what has happened, what has transpired with her in the past week even, also connected to Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, our foundational scriptures, what I see is the Lord doing something where he's bringing all this stuff together and he's doing it in a way that doesn't look like it's looked in the past, but it is so, uh, it's so of the Lord. Um, and so it's centered around this one word that was brought to light to us last Sunday by one of our, uh, one of our friends, Izzy, got up second service and just brought a, a word to light that was given to the whole state of Colorado by way of Graham Cook. Um, and that word is on YouTube. You can actually search it. But it's for the whole state of Colorado. And Graham gets up there and he, he says that the water is rising. That was the phrase, the water is rising. 
well, Izzy kind of brought to us this imagery of what atmosphere it takes for that to happen. Now, if you see a little cloud on a clear day off in the corner of the sky, you're kind of thinking to yourself, not a whole lot of water is going to come from that. And maybe there's one over there, 100 miles off, whatever. I don't know dimensions in the sky and all that business. <laughs> so maybe it's a mile off. Who knows? Whatever. But if you take all of the clouds and you put them together, it begins to create an atmosphere where rain is possible. It begins to show us that as people come together, as we are unified and we're not just off in our little happy-go-lucky world with, with the Lord, just him and I, all right, there's a, there's a sense of unity that allows for an atmosphere to be created where it'll rain and the water will rise. Now, see, I want to be able to communicate to you guys this morning that if I could sit down with each one of you, I don't have enough hours in the week. I really don't. Look you in your face and tell you how important you are to Jesus Christ Fellowship. I would take that opportunity simply because each one of you has been made and then the mold was thrown away. There's no one else like you. But let me ask you this question. Why are you here? Why are you here? Why are you? What caused you on this day to get up and come to this service, come to this church, hear some weird dude talk about Jesus I'm glad that's what we're talking about. <laughs> but why are you here? What are you here for? As we continue in Nehemiah, what we're seeing in this portion of the of the book is the repopulation of Jerusalem. Now, if you know anything about Nehemiah, Nehemiah was purposed to build the wall in Jerusalem. He did that. Um, it was an amazing feat. He did that in 52 days. It was great. So now God's government is being reestablished into the community. And there's this idea of needing to repopulate Jerusalem. So last week or two weeks ago, we, we opened up chapter 11 and saw the plan in which to do that. Pulled some stuff out of there. Uh, talked about casting lots. And then last weekend, uh, we went through verses 1 through 9. And we saw in those verses two names that got highlighted, Perez and the tribe of Benjamin. Now, Perez, his beginning, he, he came from an illegitimate birth. But you read in the first five verses of uh, Matthew, the very first chapter, that name is in the genealogy of Christ. Plus, this tribe of Benjamin uh, was responsible for... I don't want to say responsible for, I'll say this, that they were deep in sexual sin, deep in it. And they were practicing homosexuality. All right? Now, these are the people who were being asked to go inhabit Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is not some small city. All right? It's not. Jerusalem is a place where God's authority lies. So it causes you to walk with a deeper level of character. So he's asking people with these backgrounds to come and be in this holy city. Well, guess who comes from the tribe of Benjamin? Saul of Tarsus, also known as Paul, who's responsible for a lot of the New Testament. So we pulled from those scriptures that God can use anybody. He does not care where you have come from. He does not care what you are, let's say this, currently in. What he's asking for you is to step into his calling. 
to step up, rise to the occasion, and finish well. Alright, so that brings us to this next set of scripture, verses 10 through 19. Now I want to say this, that um, I have said this before, and it's simply because I want to give the, the spirit um, room to move. Basically saying that I spend a lot of time preparing for the message on throughout the week. And there are some times where he says, you know what, I don't want you to bring that. I want you to throw your notes away, and I want you to just let me speak through you. Um, there's times where he says, okay, what you've studied, I want you to I want you to bring that. Well, today is one of those days, ladies and gentlemen, from start to finish. He's told me to leave my notes at home. So I... To be honest with you, first service, it was like, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. I hope that it comes across well. I don't know if it did. Here's my second crack at it. (laughs) But the Lord wants me to communicate something to you that is not necessarily what I had planned. Um, And so this is not me flying by the seat of my pants. Okay, that's not it. I'm flying by the seat of the Holy Spirit's pants. If the Spirit even wears pants. Okay, that was kind of, I was trying to be funny, but you guys... I understand your pain, Beck. All right. <laughs> nah. But um, there's there's some stuff in these 10 verses that I'm going to also be in Ephesians 4, verses 11, 12, and 13. And it speaks specifically to something that I think is in the church, but not everyone participates in. It's just this mentality that I think needs to die. So I asked you a question, why are you here? And that leads me to jump into this narrative that I think is something that needs to just fall by the wayside. Now in no way, shape, or form am I beating anyone in here over the head. Okay, I meet with the majority of you guys as best as I can. Um, there's some people in here that I just need to get in front of, but in my meetings with people throughout the week, like I hear certain things, I'm not saying it's coming from you, but I'll meet with other pastors and there's this idea of what has the church done for me lately? Somebody walks in the front door of a church and they immediately say, how can this place serve my needs? What can I get from Jesus Christ fellowship? And For whatever reason, in the city of Fort Collins, it has been like this for a long time, uh, way before some of you have even been here, that we feel that it's okay to shop the bride of Christ. You know what that means? Church hop. But the mentality behind the church hopping isn't, uh, let me tell you what it is, it's, it's, it comes from the pit of hell, let's just say that. But it's this, um, that place, I wasn't able to get fed at that place. Alright, I'm going to speak to that later on. But here's what I'm saying. We're going to read in these scriptures something that kind of recalibrates our view. And it says, we've been doing it backwards. Let's do it the right way. From verses 10 to 19. There's, there's something in there that I believe that we pull out of this deal. It will change the way you even speak to yourself. It'll change the way you talk to yourself, which will change the way you talk to each other, which will change the way that we become unified. You guys checking with me this morning? 
Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> All right. So, starting off in verse 10 here. Again, this is a snapshot of the people who the Lord is calling to live in Jerusalem. We know a little bit about Jerusalem, it being a city that is supposed to be a light to the entire world. Alright? It's a place where you step in there, God's there, causes you to rise to the occasion. Alright? So we're going to look at three groups of people here. The priests, which is outlined in verse 10, 10 through 14. Then we got the Levites. Talks about the Levites from verse 15 to 18. And then also the gatekeepers. Now with the priests, there's three subgroups of these, these guys. Alright? Now, I'm gonna butcher the names. So, it says in the beginning, verse 10, from the priests, it gives a list of names. Alright? And then we pick it back up. Yeah, I'm doing that. And they're kinsmen who performed the work of the temple. Okay, the reason why I'm not going to read the, word, the, the the names this morning is because I want you to concentrate on the scripture and not how bad I am speaking these names. Um, I'll get better at pronouncing them. Probably have to switch over to the Hebrew to get them right. But that verse 12, here's a group of people who are designated at the end of verse 12 who perform the work of the temple. Now, what does that mean? That means there is people designated to minister to the people's needs inside the temple. That's what that means. All right. We read the next set of names. And then at the end, kind of, excuse me, the beginning of verse 13, we get the next group of these priests. And it says, and his kingsmen's heads of father's households. So that means that there was not only a group designated to minister to the people's needs, individual needs within the temple, that there was also priests who were designated to minister to the needs of entire families, entire heads of households. All right? The Lord's, excuse me, getting everybody. And then something very interesting in verse 14. We get another list, another set of numbers. All right? The first group was 822. The second group was 242. Now the third group of these priests were called valiant warriors. Alright. Now that could be interpreted a couple different ways. Priests who were actually on the battlefield. Like in the fight. I believe that that's true. I think it's a both and. The other part of it. Ever thought about prayer warriors? Those who are designated as prayer warriors. Alright. Nonetheless, there was battle being done. There was priests who were designated to serve that way. And it was specific to one principle that unified the entire city. Now I want you to hang on to that. Hang on to that. Because the Levites fall into the same category. We read in verse 15, now from the Levites, it lists names. And then, at the, uh, excuse me, at the end of verse 16, it says, here's the people who are designated to, or excuse me, who are in charge of the outside work of the house of God. Okay. So it's bringing more light to us, the purpose that these people are supposed to step into. Now, the outside work of the house of God, 
Uh, it could be a couple different things, you know, make sure that the paint's not chipping and the windows aren't cracked and the AC's working all right, you know, the actual building, the actual outside of the building, or it's ministering to the community. It's making sure that the community is being served. Um, nonetheless, it's all wrapped and served on a plate of servanthood. Okay, so no matter what it is, you can put it in that context. That these are servants here. Now from verse 17 to 18, there's a group that is defined by two names in here. And it's at the beginning of verse 17, the name Asaph, okay, who was the leader in the begin in beginning the thanksgiving at prayer. And in the end of verse 17, we see the word, see the name, Jeduthun, I think is how you say that. But the interesting thing about those two names, they're all throughout the Psalms. All throughout the Psalms. So here are two people who are responsible for worship. Alright? So we see all of these groups of people who are tasked to do certain things and they're unified around one principle. Last verse, 19, we've got the gatekeepers. Now they watch. They're watchmen. They see what comes in, what goes out, and they're on that. They're making sure what comes in is above reproach. <laughs> Alright? So we got all these groups of people. But I keep saying this. They're unified around one principle. What is that principle? If I was to ask them the same question, what are you here for? This scripture says something. It says that no matter what, this community, and I'll only say it like this, no matter what they were purposed to do, it was all pointed towards the house of God. All of it. From start to finish. Now here's, here's the significance of that in conjunction to what I'm trying to effectively communicate this morning. Instead of walking through that door and saying, how can this church serve me? What can I get from this leadership? What can I get from this body? We see the establishment of Jerusalem in the reverse order. That their main purpose was to serve the Lord. Period. So it changes your narrative from, here I am. Let me, let me just use this example. If the Lord would allow me to use a little bit of myself this morning. <laughs> I have an athletic background, played football at CSU, graduated about six years ago from that. But from that point forward, excuse me, from that point back to maybe like fourth grade, I don't know what age I was, that's all I was about. It became to, it, it became a, uh, something that identified who I was. It got ingrained in me. And it manifests itself in a performance mentality. You're always trying to impress the coach so that you can get more playing time so that you can just go do what you're going to do. So I just performed at everything. That translated to my relationship with the Lord. If I just perform and do all this good church stuff, then Lord, you're going to bless me. (laughs) He's like, you're so funny. (laughs) That's a form of self-righteousness and that is just not it. But here's what I'm getting at. People would refer to me as Alex, the football player. At some point, I got fed up with that. Why is it that, that they see that first? 
I would talk to people and say, what do you do? Uh, you know, play football at CSU. Oh, and I also, I'm also a believer. I also work at my pop's church. You know, that always came second. What I see in these people in Nehemiah is that the narrative would have been like this if football was existent back then. I'm a follower of Christ. I just so happen to play football. I'm a follower of Christ. I just so happen to work construction. I don't, I don't, I don't know what professions each one of you guys are in. Uh, maybe you're, I know, work at a library. You know, uh, I guess I get, to, I have to get to know you guys more. My goodness, I don't, I don't know what you guys do. Well, you know, bet coaches. Instead of saying, you know, I'm a coach, but I'm also a Christian. Hey, guess what? I follow Jesus. I just so happen to coach on the side. I do construction. I'm a follower of Christ, but you know what? I do jobs here and there. The entire narrative changes. And it says, I am here for the work of the service. And that is it. Are you guys trucking with me this morning? Is there anybody in here today? Hey, hallelujah. You guys are looking at me crazy. <laughs> He's like, yeah, they can see me. What's, 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 why are they asking that? No, I'm asking that because along with the word that was highlighted to us last week, We're seeing a group of people unified around one concept. It's about the house of the Lord. What can I do for the house of the Lord? Not what can the house of the Lord do for me? So we have those two things and it fits perfectly with Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. Now, if you can turn over to that with me and I'm just going to be dealing with the first three verses. But I want you to understand the state of the church today and how when you don't operate with that mentality first, you end up operating in a deficiency. You really do. Um, Yeah. So let me just read this. And if you guys could, as I'm preaching this morning, just pray for brother. You know, it's it's different not having notes. But I'm just, I'm hoping the Spirit just smacks y'all in the face this morning. And that I am obedient in what he wants me to share. So just throw those prayers up here and there for me. (laughs) Unashamed. So, starting off in verse 11. And again, this is the foundational scripture of Jesus Christ Fellowship. This answers the question for me. What am I here for? It says, and he gave some as apostles... And some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors, and some as teachers for a purpose, for the equipping of the saints. Here we go. For the work of service. Here we go again. To the building up of the body of Christ until, until, okay, we attain the unity of the faith. All right. I'm going to stop right there. And i got to go back to these five offices. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We've had the wonderful um, task, if you will. I took over as a senior pastor in January. January 1st, 2016. And since then, a couple months after that, I guess, we started to have what were called five-fold meetings. 
Now, we have people who operate in all five of these things. But what we wanted to do was two things. We, did, we wanted to define what each one of these things is. What is an apostle? According to scripture, what is a prophet? What is an evangelist, pastor, and a teacher? And that's good. I think that there's a lot of uh, language out there for that. But the other thing that kind of, uh, what, I wouldn't say it was hard, harder, but it was definitely more revelational, was defining each office and what it does. What does an apostle do today? What does a prophet do today? What does an evangelist do today rather than just walking up and down the street and preaching the gospel? Okay, there's more to it. But what does a pastor do? Do you, do you know what a pastor does, is supposed to do according to scripture? <laughs> I thought I knew, but we went through this stuff and it was like, oh my goodness. This is ridiculous. But actually, I'll tell you what, it was more freeing than anything else. But what does a teacher do? And it brought us to understanding how we're operating in a deficiency. And it can be best explained like this. That the office of the apostle has been forgotten. Last week I used an analogy of President Obama in the fact that that office holds authority. If Obama were to die today, would the presidency, the office of the presidency die with him? No. See, that applies to all five offices. Just because biblical apostles don't walk the earth today does not mean that the office of the apostle ceases to exist. Now, the only argument for that which I don't even think is an argument. It's just something that people bring up. <laughs> yes. Apostles, modern day apostles don't write scripture. Amen. It's good. There's no more scripture that needs to be written. All right. But as far as establishing works, that's what ESS is doing. All right. So there's, there's more to that. If you want to know more about what an apostle does, go sit down with my dad. He'll talk your ear off. Because um, that boy walks in that heavy. Same thing with a with an, with a uh, prophet. Excuse me. The office of the apostle has been forgotten. The office of a prophet has been misunderstood. Misunderstood because there's a word that comes, or there's somebody speaking in tongues, and all of a sudden there's no interpretation right there. But you got people walking around saying "Thus says the Lord" all the time, and it's just beating people in the head. And all of a sudden, people just shy away from prophecy because it's just been mis. Uh, understood. They don't understand really how to use that gift. We have people in this church, in this room today, who walk in that gifting, who know how to use it. But then we get to the evangelism office. The deficiency there is that the office of the evangelist has just been avoided. And why is that? Because nobody wants to have their feelings hurt when they get rejected out in the street. So we just avoid it. We just say, you know what? I'll leave that to the evangelist guy at church. He can go tell everyone about the gospel. All right. Uh, but then that, we, we move to the teacher and the pastor. And the teacher, that office has been misused. It has been abused and misused in a lot of ways. Where you get so much teaching on a Sunday morning. That we become legalistic, become to the letter of the law. But what about the body ministry after hearing the scripture? What about encountering the Lord on a Sunday morning? Instead of just coming and sitting and listening to a Bible teaching and then leaving and then 
fending for yourself for six days a week and then coming back and repeating the whole thing. Uh, it's just been misused. There's a lot of teaching and not a lot of the other stuff with it. Now the last one, pastor, the office of the pastor has been <laughs> overburdened. Hallelujah. I understand that completely. Overburdened in the sense that everyone expects me to be the apostle. Everyone expects me to take care of all the prophecy, to do all the evangelism, all right, to do all the teaching. Now, in the word, all uh, Christians are capable of walking in any one of those gifts. But I'll tell you this. I'm a bona fide pastor. I can teach, but I'm not a teacher. I can be prophetic, but I'm not a prophet. I can go share the gospel, but I don't have the gifting of an evangelist. Now, the word says, hey, you go share the gospel. <laughs> That's to everybody. All right? But what does a pastor do? pastor does five things. The first one, he's a shepherd. He's a father. All right? There's scriptures for this stuff. The second thing that he is tasked to do is, comes out of Ezekiel 34. Is that I'm supposed to seek. Leave the 99 to go get the one. All right? Third thing is to care for the flock. All right? Now, I don't have time to dive into each one of these things. I'm trying real hard not to just whew, just get into it. Because, hey, buddy, I could go for a while on that one. There's a management piece. Because of the American church today, everything falls on the pastor. The management piece is just, hey, buck stops with me. I basically get in trouble if something happens. Because my face is on everything. All right? But this last thing is to be fruitful and multiply. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm responsible for the actual multiplication of sheep. I'm responsible for the reproductive health of each individual in here. Are you able to go reproduce yourself? That's why we talk about discipleship all the time. Being able to go make disciples, to reproduce yourself. The reason I'm here, ladies and gentlemen, is not because of me. It is to give to the flock. But how differently would you view not only your relationship with Christ, but your relationship to the church if with every thought and every breath you are trying to seek and find out how to add to the body of Christ rather than to take from her. And I'm not saying that anybody in here is taking. Don't hear me say that. But everyone who's populating Jerusalem is there for the sake of the temple. Why would it be any different with us? Everybody, think about this, who populates Fort Collins, Wow, 150, probably 180 with all the students, 180,000 people. Could you imagine if every single person was concerned about how they could add to the church? Completely change the landscape. Are you guys with me this morning? They're all about the temple. They're all about the church. Well, we read on in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, 11 through, excuse me, 11, 12, and 13, we understand now why and how we're operating in a deficiency. But here's what it looks like when all five are operating. Verse 12, it says, here's the purpose of these five. It says, for the equipping of the saints. Who's the saints? I'm talking to you, all right? You guys sitting right out there looking good this morning, all right? The equipping of the saints for a purpose. 
the work of the service. What did we just get done reading in Nehemiah that these people were purposed to do? Work of service. Unified around the temple. I am asking you this morning on a personal level. Are you here for yourself? Or are you here because God called you to do a work here? Like why, why did you walk in this morning? I mean, don't everybody throw up their hand and answer me. That's, that'd be weird. Get that on the recording, you know. <laughs> uh, but you're here for a reason. You are. It's by no mistake that you're sitting in these seats. And I'm challenging you this morning saying, the reason you are here is to be equipped so that work can be done. Not because of Alex. Not because of Beck or the leadership at ESS Christ Fellowship. No. It's because the Lord has something that he wants to do with the magnificence that he put inside of you. Man, rhyme slinging. Did you hear that? It rhymed. It was good. You guys missed it. Golly, you guys just, I need to wake y'all up or something. Let's get the worship team back up. No, I'm just kidding. But he wants to do something with the magnificence in you. And it's specific to how can I add what the Lord has put in me to this vision. Church hopping would go out the window. Walking into a place and saying, look, I'm not getting fed there, so I'm going to go somewhere else. Have you ever seen a real live shepherd lead his sheep to green pasture, bend down on his knees, rip the grass up with his hands, and then shove it in the sheep's mouth? (laughs) That would be really weird. You'd be driving by like, what the heck is going on with that? (laughs) That's a weird illustration. Why would I do the same with you? It is not my job to feed you. And I will never get to a place where I feel obligated to do so. But I'll say this, that you will see a shepherd lead his sheep to green pasture. They have to go feed on that grass. So my job as a pastor on Sunday morning, I can teach a little bit here and there. I'm not the greatest teacher. But my job is to proclaim the word of God. To open it up and say, look, here it is. Here's this green pasture. You have the choice Whether or not you want to eat. Whether or not you want to get fed this morning. You guys with me? See, that in and of itself, ladies and gentlemen, kills the whole, I wasn't getting fed at that that, that place. Now, I don't want to take other churches' legs out from underneath them. Uh, I'm not going to speak bad about it. That's not what I'm doing. I'm not speaking bad about anybody in this room either. All I'm saying is this. It is your responsibility to do exactly what the Lord has put in you. It is your responsibility to feed on the word of God. I'm going to do my job. All right. I'm going to open it up. And if you feel like, hey, Pastor Square, you're kind of not really getting it, email me. All right. Got a card out there on the desk. But I'm just saying here we, we have something. We're looking at something in Nehemiah that takes our mind from a people being in a city for the sake of themselves to a people being in a city for the sake of God's work. And I'm saying to you, there's no, it's not a coincidence that you're in Fort Collins. Fort Collins is not here for you. You are here for Fort Collins. How can we, ESS Christ Fellowship, go get this city, win this city? 
when we are not unified within these walls. It's going to be tough. I'm just saying. It's going to be tough. Here we go, tripping over carpet. It's going to be tough. But when that little cloud over there and that one over there are of the same mind and we understand we're here for God's work, then we begin to band together. We become unified. We become this unstoppable force and the water level starts to rise. Are you with me today? So this is a challenge. This is an encouragement that do you speak as though his work is first in your life? Because that's what we want to project to the rest of this city. That the people who attend Jesus, the believers who walk into this church, are more about the work of the Lord than they are anything else. And I'm a follower of Christ, but I just so happen to preach on a Sunday morning. <laughs> I just so happen to lead a church. But I'm more concerned about getting his work done. Amen? And here it is, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to end with this. Because I believe that this is what drives this whole thing. And it's uh, verse uh, verse 13. It says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Here it is. To a mature man... To the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Jesus Christ. What are we unified around? Him being the measuring stick. That's what unifies us here at ESS Christ Fellowship. That the fivefold has been given to equip you so that you can go be a mature Christian and do the work. But guess who's the measuring stick? It's not Johnny Square, Rick Richter, Alex, Beck, Izzy, Bill, Alec, Bailey. Any of those guys who walk in that fivefold. It, it, we are not the measuring stick. Don't do this because Alex is saying, hey, it'd be nice. Jesus Christ, that's it. That's the bar. If you're not looking at him, please stop looking at me. Please stop looking at anybody else. Don't come in here because of no personality. I say it all the time. I'll keep saying it. Come on. Come in here because Jesus is here. Because he's the uh, measuring stick. Amen. Hey. Sounds like y'all are getting it this morning. Hallelujah. (laughs) All right. So. All of that makes sense. Amen. I do want you to. Answer that question. What are you here for? What are we here for? I can't answer that for you on a detailed individual level as much as I want to ask each and every one of you guys to take that one back to the Lord and then let him speak to you. How can I give to the church what the Lord has put in me to give? We become, we become unified around that man. I don't think there's a whole lot we can't accomplish. I mean, we were somewhat transient for two years in a hotel ballroom. And here we are with stained glass windows, acoustic tiles on the ceiling, exposed timber. I mean, 
We roll, we'll continue to roll out the red carpet for you as much as we can. Alright? All of this was accomplished by Jesus and that's it. That is it. And so there's just so much that the Lord is doing where he's taking all of these, these things and he's centering it around. Look, when you guys are unified, here's what happens. I'll give you a building. I'll give you people. I'll give you all kinds of stuff. And so I think that I'm going to stop right there. Uh, let's have the worship team come back up here and let's get prepared for our offering. I don't know what kind of response is to be had this morning. As much as me being able to challenge you guys as a senior pastor and just say, look, you got it in you. But what would it look like if all of us were unified (laughs) around the work of the service, the work of service? You guys can come up here. You can go ahead, Jared, whenever you're ready. Father, we just uh, bless this offering, Lord, Um, and realize that everything that's put in there is yours anyway, comes from you, it's your resource, Lord, so we just want to give you what's yours, which honestly is all of it, (laughs) but Father, uh, we just want to honor you in in this giving this morning, so bless the offering as as this plate goes by, and pray that we, we give joyfully. Father, we give joyfully. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and pass that. So, you know, I, I, I like to get here in the mornings and just kind of walk around and look at things. Because at our other building, I think I knew pretty much every square inch of that place. It was a warehouse. Alright, just crazy dirty when we first got into it, but we, we fixed that thing up. We gave it some love. I'm learning about this place. I'm learning about the ins and outs, where the cracks are, how things were put together. And what it's doing is, the Lord is, is showing me vision for this place and where we're going. And ladies and gentlemen, I said it before, you're sitting in answer prayer. You're sitting in years, years of answer prayer. And this is the beginning of changing an entire city. And that's not light work. I'm not saying that because, oh, that's a lofty goal and it's cool to say that we're going to go out and change a city. No, I'm serious about that. This is the beginning parts of that. Where we get a place to call home. And from this establishment, we can reach this neighborhood and talk to the people who don't know Jesus. Talk to the people who do not know that the only way to get into heaven is through Christ Jesus. People who need him, people who are dying. I hope that becomes real for you guys as much as it is real sliding down my face right now. I want you to be a part of it. I want you to be in. I want us to be unified around taking care of one another. Christians taking care of Christians. That's Acts 2, 41 through 47.
another foundational scripture in Jesus. I hope it's encouraging to you guys this morning that that's how we're going to do this. Take a look around. This is it. We need to add more to this. But this is who's going to get it done. Amen. So let's stand up. Let's sing this song. Let's, uh, yeah, just close the service. Whenever Jared's done, I'll give the benediction. So sometimes, you know, you hear a message and it's the pastor saying, hey, we need to be in unity. We need to be together. We need to be one unit. And then you ask yourself the question, okay, how, how do I do that? Well, first, one of the first things, the first steps, ladies and gentlemen, is to confront the thing in you that's causing you to fall away from Christ. To look at that. Maybe today there might be somebody in here who needs to confess something. Now, that's a scary word. Oh, goodness gracious. All my stuff's going to get laid out. Now, see, that's not it. What you're doing is you're saying, you know what, Lord, I'm serious about there being nothing between you and I. Nothing. And I don't know what that would look like for you today. But for me not to give you a time where you let the Lord show you how to be unified and confess and maybe get some things out, um, I wouldn't be doing my job. And so... If this, if, well, if not, see, the Lord is doing something. For those of you who know you're supposed to respond this morning, you're heavy. There's something you just need to get out. We're going to open up this altar. Jerry's going to play a little bit. Whoever goes up there, I'm just simply going to pray for you. And that's it. It doesn't have to be scary. I'm not going to put a microphone in your face and say, hey, <laughs> sure, all you dirty laundry, that's not it. This is a declaration, proclamation, a movement towards being serious with Jesus, being serious about your relationship with Him, being serious about being unified with other believers. So, yeah, Jared, go ahead and go through your course again, whatever you want to do. But, Altar's open, ladies and gentlemen. We're just going to spend some time to go. But before I do that, uh, as I'm sitting right here, the Lord put on me that there needs to be some type of emotional healing that happens this morning. If you've been hurt emotionally in a way that is just is deep, I think that today might be your day to see some victory in that. And so I'm specifically, the Lord's asking me to pray for that. Uh, so if that's you, I'm going to ask you to come up here. But before that, Heavenly Father, I just uh, I thank you for the service. I thank you for what you've, what you've done and how you've done it, Lord. Um, what's been communicated. And I pray that it's life-changing, Lord, that it's, it's more than just a Sunday morning experience. God, that we think about this throughout the day, throughout the week. Lord, what am I here for? What have you purposed me for on this earth? Help me find that. Help me see that. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We need your spirit. 
pray that more and more every day we look just like you. Be with us as we go from this place. God, I pray for a hedge of protection to be on everybody who walks out of this building, Lord. That as we claim the name of Jesus Christ, the target on our back gets big. Well, Lord, you've you've allowed us to, to walk in big shoes because you're walking with us. So we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Now, if you need that prayer... 